What's up, guys? It's another episode of Birdies Not BS. It's Cheyenne here with Doug, and we have yeah. a very, very special guest on today's episode. Very, very special indeed, Cheyenne. I'm super excited that George Gankis is joining us today on Birdies Not BS. I do want to preface the episode by saying we caught up with George while he was at home uh, in his own living room drinking a brew. You might hear his wife, Justine, in the background putting up groceries because we did get to see kind of a day in the life of George during this taping. So let's get to it. You know, George, you know, on our show, we like to do things a little bit different, you know, and, and coming from you, who, who's had this meteoric rise from just being a great coach on a range to now being one of the top 100 coaches in, in America. Um, what is the current state of golf instruction, especially amongst this coronavirus? Well, amongst the coronavirus, there is no instruction unless it's online. <laughs> That's the truth. Um, as far as golf instruction as a whole and where we're at presently, I think that it's improved a whole lot. I think that we have, you know, much better, way better information than we did five, ten years ago. That's for sure. I think, you know, that we have science now. We have biomechanics that, that are proving things that, you know, were only opinions before. So it's really nice to see that we have facts now rather than people just, you know, talking out their ass. So those are some cool things to see for sure. But doesn't the track man just prove what, I mean, it just validates the things that guys have been, you know, teaching for years and gals just, and those types of things. Like, like what have we really learned? I get that we've been able to prove things and Cheyenne, you own a track man. I definitely want to get your opinion here. Have you learned anything new or are you just actually providing or just getting able to put a data point to said information yeah as you had said with technology there's so much now and so much knowledge in the sport that something like trackman is so essential in in learning what affects the golf ball a certain way and in terms of practice as well for us and as a coach i'm sure you can use that information and it's just nice to have that immediately for you and the student to look at adjust and kind of go from there i mean technology i think has been a huge huge asset to the game in the last five years even yeah, most definitely. I mean, I, I've had my track man, original track man, I think, I don't even know, seven years now, eight years. Uh, I studied Jurgensen, uh, Dr. Jurgensen's physics of golf, and they had ball flight laws way back in 2002, I believe. Um, and so Chris Como and I were talking about ball flight laws. Wow. For a Shout long, long Como. time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's been my boy for a while. Um, and, and so you know, when it finally came out to where we had proof of, you know, where the ball starts, what puts the curve on the ball. It was nice to see first off that it was actually true what we were saying, but more than anything, it's nice now having something that we can identify, but we can also, like Butch Harmon's always said, you know, I can see the ball fly. I can see what puts the curve on the ball. I can see the face is shut open, whatever. I can see the ball's not spinning right. You, you can see these things as a coach and as a player, and, and it's not mandatory you have, you know, the technology, but it definitely steers you in the right direction. It can keep you consistent. It can keep your interest up. It can, you can play games. Um, there's just so many things in, that, that it can help, that's for sure. So from your standpoint, and, and, and you know, just talking about kind of the state of, of instruction as well as with the technology, how are you, like, from a coaching perspective, right? Are, are there certain things that you're doing with the track, man? Yes, you can get path, attack, angle, 
all these other data points. I get that. But are you using TrackMan in any certain way? Are you using the combines? Are you using the, the hit it to certain yeah, numbers? How are you those, utilizing? I've been using the combines for a while. I don't use TrackMan anymore. I use FlightScope. Um, only for one reason is because, you know, I, these guys have a better service for me when I needed it. But both TrackMan and FlightScope are great tools. Um, but, yeah, I use them you know, for, you know, ball flights. But, I mean, I can tell if a ball's curving if you're too under or too over. It's just nice to verify and tell somebody, listen, you're eight degrees under. I mean, we got to go. We got to get you left. <laughs> we no. got to do something. How are we going to get you left? We're going to move your body lines left. We, we rotating. I mean, what are, what are we doing here? But we're going to do something. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Cheyenne, how are you utilizing, you know, your track, man, on a day-to-day or your flight scope or quad? And, you know, I don't want to be, you know, specific to just track, man. Right. It's, I mean, it's kind of become the – it's like Uber, right? Even though you might use Lyft, you still call it catching the Uber. So I'm sorry. It's right. what I do with track, man. I, I feel the same way. These guys hook me up with all the flight scope stuff, and I'm talking about track, man. So my bad. Flight scope is the best, all right? scope, team flight scope. Um, now I've had my trackman for a few years now, but definitely for me as a player, week to week, I, a lot of it is just distance, getting my numbers down every week, no matter where you are, and just getting everything dialed in. Uh, you know, I work with my coach if we're having a lesson and we kind of see what what is going on and just adjust from there. But for me, day to day, mainly just getting my numbers and getting everything dialed in, uh, definitely a great tool to have out there. I, I think that's what most good players are doing. It's not like, you know, they're looking at their path and face daily. I think they're looking at more of their numbers, you know, making sure their numbers are good. Most tour players that I work with, they're just looking at, uh, at yardages. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. they'll look at spin on the driver, but most of them are really not paying too much attention to anything, but maybe path a little bit and their distances. That's about it. Right. Yeah, and when you are out competing, you don't want to be looking at too much anyway. So all you really need to know what, how far you're hitting each club. And it is a dangerous thing, though, to have that there. It's so tempting to look at all the information, to take it all in and, you know, get a little golf nerdy with it and want to just check it all out and see what you can do to improve. But sometimes it's just too much. Too much information is just too much information. Absolutely. Let me ask you this question. This is just for kind of the listeners from a no BS perspective. How, how should a player pick a coach? Like, there's so many guys uh, coaching, right? Like, or in gals. I don't want to leave out, you know, uh, <laughs> my lady coaches out there. But how, how should a player pick a coach? I think that's probably one of the best questions I've ever been asked. I mean, I really do. And I, I, if I was a player, I'd be confused. Because sometimes players don't know who the best coaches are. Um, they usually look at who's got the, you know, the best players. And that's not always who the best coach is. You know what I mean? You could have... You know, you could get lucky and your friend is a tour player. All of a sudden, you're his coach. And all of a sudden, you start getting players. And, and you, you don't deserve it. And you see it's that. It's not that you deserve it, but you're not qualified to help somebody. And, and it goes the wrong way. And it's happened a new, uh, so many times, it's crazy. Um, but then you get guys that, that are really, really solid coaches. And you don't even know who they are. And there's a lot in, in – in, around the world that we don't even know who they are and they're amazing coaches, whether they're good coaches or they're good mechanical coaches. Uh, and I look at those as two different things and hopefully you can do both, but you know, being a mechanic and, and, and being a, you know, a, uh, an actual coach, I would say our player development, I'd say th- those are two different, different deals. But like I said, if you can mesh those two together, you could become a, a great coach. But Overall, if I was a player, I would probably make the same mistake as most people do and go, who does the best players go to? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But what I would look is not who the best players go to, who's developed the most players from start. 
in the right. middle and to the top. That's what I'd look at. Who's developed the most player? Who doesn't just get good players all the time and then just develop someone who's good? Because I know that all three of us can help anyone that's already good. Cheyenne's recently done this, right? Cheyenne, you've recently had, you know, a coaching change. And I know as a, as a tour player, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. And, and Gankus, I'm sure you've had players come and players go. Cheyenne, for you, along the same lines, how do, how do you decide a coach to go to um, and what kind of things are you looking for too? Yeah, I mean, it is a big decision, whether you're just starting out or you're switching coaches. Um, you definitely do have to do a little bit of research. Like you said, see what players that they have had, what progress they've made, what is their teaching style. There's so many things that go into a good fit between player and coach, how they communicate, what they're trying to teach you as well. Um, you know, it definitely is a, a particular relationship. And That's huge right there. Yeah. You have to because be able to get along and relate to your coach. Yeah, I mean, your 100%. coach is cool right now. He's really, really cool. I mean, I can relate to him. I mean, he, yeah. he's just he's he's nice to hang out with. He's he's very knowledgeable. He's a great dude. I mean, overall, super solid. And, and he does he he has developed a lot of good players. Mm -hmm. And he actually teaches a lot of really really you know world class golfers too. So you know you you can't lose with Scotty. And I, I would say that that alone is what you said is the relationship is is huge. You yeah, because I mean, the them. day. Yeah, you guys are on a team together. Your teammates, you're trying to do the same thing. And I want to be able to, at the end of the day, call my coach, whether it's venting or asking a question, and just be able to have those conversations easily, um, no matter where my game's at or what we're, we're doing or what tournament we're at. So, yeah, definitely the relationship is just very key in finding a, a good fit and coach. Yeah, so Cheyenne, I know that you, you know, you've changed a coach, and by changing coaches, you had to also let down a coach, which is tough. George, have you ever actually fired a player a lot of people talk about coach, coaches being fired. My question uh, is, is the other side. Have you ever just said, you know what? I'm not messing with you. You, you suck. Go away. You're not worth my time. Like, have you kicked it, it was, anybody it was to the curb? It, it was never because they sucked, first off. <laughs> because it, uh, there's a lot of players I teach that suck, but they, they're getting better. So the fact is the sucking part doesn't matter. The attitude problem is, is the issue. When oh, someone man. is um, – has major attitude, um, whether it's a junior or an adult. I've had both sides that I've actually, you know, said, you're not coming back. So it's nothing that I like to do. It's just the fact that I'm pretty easy to get along with, especially when I'm, when I'm coaching, that you have to be pretty dicky if, if I'm going to if I'm, I'm gonna either block you on Instagram, which I've probably done that 20 times over the past 10 years, or six or seven years, whatever it's been, I've probably blocked only 20 people, which – is pretty gnarly considering how many people have talked a lot of trash over the years. I, I don't usually block people. I don't fire them. I've been fired many times. I mean, we all have, and, and, and that's part of the territory. It's, it's, but you're still, as a coach, you know even when your player switches that you have a big part of what they do in the future. You've built a lot of that. Whether you can take credit or you can't doesn't matter to me especially, but the fact is, is, instead of being bitter over that kind of change, you, 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 you got to wish them well, at yeah. it, which, which I always do. And usually they, they come back anyways. Yeah. I imagine a, just, nobody crowd. ever actually talks about players that get fired. You know what I mean? Like from their yeah. coach, because it happens. It's a, it's a real thing. It's a, you know, some players are too needy. Some players uh, have false senses of reality. And, and gee, even that point, how do you deal in Cheyenne? We've seen it. You know, we've seen these, these person dressed down in all the same logo attire. 
They come out to the, to the course and they think they are IT, baby. They think they are <laughs> it. As a coach, George, how do you manage a person's ego? Because, I mean, in some regard, your, your livelihood is tied to them coming to see you and, and get less. Well, the first thing is, is that it is their ego helping them? <laughs> are, <laughs> are, are, they, are they really as good as they think they are? Um, I would say, first off and foremost, you know, I do get people that are pretty delusional um, talking about how they're going to win the Masters next year and they've never won an amateur tournament. Um, yeah, that's, that's, mm, stuff that's stuff like that. That it's mind-boggling to me that, that that people believe that stuff, which I know they don't really believe it. Whether they're pumping it up or trying to convince me is is fine. That doesn't make them a bad person at all either. It's just there. There are some people that believe they're way better than they are, and then there's some that that I have to pump up and make make them feel like they actually are better than they are. Because there's some players that feel like they suck and they're actually pretty good, and then you get a guy who really sucks. And they think they're really good. It's it's kind of dressed in all matching apparel with the new this wow. that and the new clubs. Just <laughs> being an instructional coach, a lot of it is mechanical. But you mentioned having to pump up your players or to check their ego. How much do you do on the mental side of coaching your students, if any? Um, I do a lot. I mean, I'd say. Most of my players, you know, I teach them to get present. You know, what's pretty sad is most of my players never knew how to get present. A lot of them look up at, at, and out at like the mountains and clear out their head and hear sounds and, and feel the wind on them and, and see things around them. And they're like, wow, I, I've never seen that mountain. And it's pretty sad, to be honest. So I've got to get players present. Um, I've got to get them more okay with outcomes. They got to be okay with, you know, there's a lot of things. I get their egos in check for sure. Um, making sure they're okay pretty much. As soon as they're okay with looking stupid, and, and I give them a lot of drills on making them, you know, okay with looking stupid, they perform <laughs> with, with such a relax. I, you know, I, I do. It's kind of funny. I, I have a lot of my juniors walk alone at school, and they go, that's for dorks. And I go, well, no, it makes you a dork because you can't do it. <laughs> wow. You know what I'm saying? They all have to walk in packs because they're insecure. Absolutely. So I get no. them walking alone. I say, well, how many guys at school walk alone that are cool? And they'll be like, Jake. And I'm like, why do you think Jake walks alone? Because he doesn't care and he's cool. And I'm like, exactly. He doesn't care what anybody else thinks. And that's where you need to get if you want to be a good golfer. That's so it, it's funny you even say that, George, because I think a lot of people forget this part of golf instruction or any kind of instruction where you're working with young people is you're going to cross lines, right? I mean, you're talking to kids about, you know, their days in school and helping them be better people, right? And, and I don't think a yeah. lot of people actually stop to think that this, this coach, this person that I'm, I'm entrusting my kids swing to is actually making them a better female or making them a better male. And, and I think that's just hearing you say that's kind of exciting to hear that you're actually shaping the lives of people. Well, I appreciate that. I, well, I do my best because a lot of my juniors, you know, over the time of, of you know, they come to me, confide in me, and, you know, they need help. And, and a lot of times, you know, we've been through stuff like that, all, all three of us have, that we can help them. And, mm -hmm. it, and we are qualified to do that. You know, I, I you know, I've done a lot of crazy stuff in my life. I, I, I've seen a lot of stuff. And so that being said, there are times where I can reason with, you know, a player, whether it's on the course or off the course, issues with, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever it is. Those are things that, you know, we could all three help, you know. Absolutely. It's, not, it's, just, it's, it's just what players sometimes need. Sometimes players come to me and they just, 
I'll talk for an hour with them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and, and they're like, that was the best talk I've ever had. And and some players need that. And some players want to be, you know, 24 seven golf. So it just depends on the player. And and yeah, everyone comes for different reasons. Yeah. So George and and Cheyenne, I'm gonna let you jump in here just a sec. I want to ask George this question along these lines. You know, George, I, I do consider you to be somewhat of a disruptor. Uh, uh, you are not a, a, the traditional uh, Peter Millar wearing loafer standing in on the range lesson guy. So what I, I want to ask you, first question is, how have you been received uh, in golf? Because golf is a, a good old boys club. We, we all know it. We're not hiding from it. Um, unashamed of it. But you, you, you have a, 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 a wrestler, wrestling background skater swag you don't speak with the the normal vernacular of a golf coach i mean what the hell is scooby anyway and Brian's going to talk to you about that in a while i've been hearing about the scooby and i just i gotta know what it is you said it better than anybody say it again (laughs) (laughs) how, how have you been received by i guess the blue bloods in the industry uh, you know, originally not very well, you know what I mean? Everything was tuck your shirt in. You can't wear that here. And, you know, I wasn't trying to, you know, stand out or, or look different. It's just what I, what I wear. I'm, I'm, I try and be comfortable as everybody does. But the fact is when you jump on the course, it's, I, I can't even swing with my shirt tucked in, to be honest, whether I'm too fat or whatever it is, it's just hard <laughs> to keep my shirt in. So the fact is, is, I like being comfortable. So if that means wearing flip-flops or, you know, wearing, you know, like a sweater, whatever it is that I wear, you know, it's, or my hat or my, you know, people call it like a flat bill, whatever it is. I just wear what's comfortable. And I think that that's ruffled some people's, you know, feathers. It's had to. No, I mean, it's had to. I mean, Cheyenne, you've had your battles with, with attire. Um, (laughs) And it's funny. I'd George. like to hear about that part of it. Let's hear about that. <laughs> well, for me, you know, you have your own style, what you want to wear on the course, off the course, whatever it might be. Um, Nike obviously is is nice with kind of merging the two, sportswear, lifestyle, golf. So it's nice to at least have that aspect and those options. But with tour rules and regulations of what you can and can't wear, some of the stuff that Nike Golf has made in the past, you actually cannot even wear in a tournament. Um, might look cool, be comfortable. It is actually your style and what you want to play and functional. in. And functional. And functional, yeah. But unfortunately, you know, the tour has their own rules of what their dress code is, and you have to abide by it. And so, um, yeah, in the past, you know, there's been some some issues on tour with girls wearing stuff they should not be wearing. Well, what, um, can't, a, what can't a woman wear on the, on the tour? Is it the shortness of the skirts or is it – is it the material of the clothes? What, what, what are the rules? Yeah, so on LPGA, uh, I think it was maybe two years ago, um, they put out a new little memo of what the dress code is to remind girls because they had gotten a little bit too relaxed out there. Um, so no tank tops. If you're wearing a tank top, you got to have a collar um, or a little mock neck. Are you uh, taking no notes, honey? <laughs> my, my wife needs to take notes. She don't know what and to wear. And it's all the cute stuff. And it's all the cute stuff. So that's the worst part. Um, no razorbacks. And then the skirts, obviously. <laughs> <have feet. laughs> my wife saw, what about this? She's got a razorback on right now. Yeah. No, so, you know, I was out there wearing those all the time. And it's <laughs> nice. <laughs> Doug, you just said something funny. No, that's not going to work, Justine. You can't wear the razorbacks. <laughs> uh, so, so, things like that. Yeah. Go ahead. 
yeah, things along that nature of just kind of tightening stuff up. But I mean, at the end of the day, we're playing a sport. And so you want to wear something that's functional, that's athletic, but it's a country club sport as well. So trying to find that balance of what works, I guess. Well, I mean, that that's like over at, at Silverleaf, right? I mean, yeah. they're, they're, you know, Ben's doing what he wants to do, and that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yes. yes. I mean, that's, 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 the, that's just basically playing golf, com- being comfortable. And I mm-hmm. think that's where hopefully, you know, golf moves into. It doesn't mean we, can, we have to be sloppy and, you know, the rest, but be comfortable is different than being sloppy to me. 100%. You know what I mean? Dressing in something that, you know, you can still play and you don't look, you know, trashy is, is decent. I mean, I think that for, for me, when I go to the golf course, I think originally, I think, you know, I've always had problems with, you know, I don't like wearing golf shoes. That's just me personally. But, and, the, and the one reason is, is because I can't move my feet. Mm. You know, I, I can't, if I can't bank my feet properly, then, it, then to me, it feels weird. I, I had a new pair of, I'm not going to say the brand, um, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't actually turn, turn my foot through on, on, on mm. the way through the ball. And to me, I've got to be comfortable. I'd rather wear flip-flops through the shot, which is, sounds ridiculous. But and you've I, done I, it. But I can play, I play better in flip-flops than I do in real shoes, which I'm not saying anybody should do that or it should be done that way. Just, that's, that's what I play better in, to be honest. Whether that's because that's what I've always played in or if it's just because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've never really liked golf shoes. They're just uncomfortable to me. Cheyenne, as you can already hear, George is, is no, is, he's not scared of, of, of shaking some things up. And, and the next question yeah. I have is also what, another area of the game that he's, she's shaking up, and that's how you actually – teach uh you're on record george telling people i want you to be your own coach (laughs) which which is which is which to the blue bloods and and all the folks that have have had their every two week you know uh mrs having camp mr having camp lessons they to every two weeks every saturday afternoon that's that's how that that pro has has made his money for years at at different clubs where where you you're out you're absolutely the opposite so how (laughs) How, what's your approach to instruction, uh, especially given players the ability to be their own coach? Well, I think that, you know, if, if we can actually teach players to understand, like, for instance, I had a junior today, and he was, you know, a really talented kid that wasn't developed yet. You know, he's jumping all over the place, but he had athletic abilities, like 15 years old. And I said, and I started breaking his swing down. I said, first thing, let's get your contact right. Let's get you actually, your face is wide open and you're stalling out and you're throwing and you look like you're humping through the ball. And his mom was there. And what we started doing is I got his face right. I said, let's get your face right. And then I'll I'll teach you the release patterns and how to rotate through the ball. And immediately those patterns got better. He took it way long. And I said, I just explained a few things. I said, listen, I said, I have a question for you. If you swung at 100 miles an hour, like you probably do with an eight iron, this kid had long arms, strong, oh, and, and, and hit his eight iron probably about 155 yards, probably with an eight iron, had dynamic loft of like 35, which you, you both can understand, where some people aren't going to understand. So he's just adding the loft for crazy. So, so we get him down, and I said, let's do some little half shots, and, and he, get, he got his dynamic loft down to like 22 with an eight iron, which is DJ style, like mm-hmm. real low. Um, and so the fact is, is, as I said, listen, I said, you're not just shoving your handle. It's face, it's rotation, it's understanding. And I said, but the fact is, I want you to understand something. You swing so hard, so long, because you're turning your aid into a lob wedge. I said, imagine 
let me give you a little formula here. I said, if you had an eight, eight iron and you swung it 100 miles an hour and it had 30 degrees of dynamic loft compared to someone who swung it uh, 80 miles an hour, 20, 20 miles an hour slower with 20 degrees of dynamic loft, which ball's going further? And he goes, uh, probably because you said that 80 miles an hour. And I said, you know what, to be honest, I don't even know, but I'd, I'd predict yes, a hundred percent. And he goes, well, okay. I said, well, so what that means is you don't have to swing out of your ass and really long to get distance. I said, if you get this contact, right. I said, but here's the steps. I said, I'm not trying to give a full lesson here. I'm just saying, these are the steps you need to take. And now you have to be accountable. You have to actually know how to video. This is where you set the camera up. Kids don't even know how to set their cameras up. They're like, they don't get where to even place it, what positions, where, you know, what steps to take, what they're even looking at. So I'm like, listen, we're going to go in the mirror and I'm going to put this camera here and I want, I'm going to take a freezer. You're going to get up here. This is the position I want. And I want you to video this and I want you to understand and tell me in detail what I want, what I'm looking at. And I just don't think that coaches do that. They want to be, they want you to rely on them. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And the reason is it's, it's to make money. They want you to, they want you to rely on, I don't want my players to rely on me. I've got too many players to be honest. I've got, I mean, I, I probably have more players than anybody in the world. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. And what I mean by that on online lessons on, you know, forums and, 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 you know, in person, it's, it's one of those things where I, and people call me every day asking about their golf swing. And I get, I've called I get, you every day. I've called you a couple times. I, I, I think I honestly get, I think honest to God, I get over 150 calls at text a day on showing me your, your videos of your swing, wow. you know, and, and I, and I answer every one of them, you know, usually yeah. it's a voice thing, dude, da, 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 da. I'll tell them something, you know, get your setup right, dude, you know, get your backswing right, whatever it is, I'll, I'll tell them real quick. But the fact is, is I enjoy helping people understand how to get better so they can improve themselves rather than me. I, all right, do this one drill and I'll teach you the next thing next week. Do this. Now, is that wrong? No, absolutely not. It's just, I'd rather, get you a big understanding here, clutter the shit out of your brain, make you understand all the components. And now you can actually be your own coach. And when you come back and see me in two weeks, now it wasn't like, you know, holding your hand again and going, why didn't you do this? They understand they can look at it now and go, okay, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. And, and then people would come in and say, you know, you know, you've given them too much stuff. Well, then I'll teach them how to shut their brain off, which you can't do, but I can tell you, I can shut your brain off. I can make you think the proper ways, which, which means basically you're getting in a zone. Um, basically you're getting a hyper-focused, you know, mindset. I mean, we can go from mindset to mindset, but what I'm trying to tell you is I, I would rather them understand the golf swing and then be able to shut it off than me having to, you know, patty cake them all, all the way there. I think as a player, too, that's so important because you're not always going to have your coach in your town or standing right next to you to tell you X, Y, and Z. As a player, if you're mid-round, sometimes you have to just figure it out on your own. And the better you understand your swing or the swing in general, you can kind of just adjust from there and get back on track. Because I see a lot of, especially junior golfers, who are so dependent on whether it's a parent or a coach to be right there at all times. But the biggest thing I learned, especially going to college, being away from my coach, long distance, whatever the case may be, you have to really, truly know your swing better than anybody. And your well, coach can get I, I, I couldn't agree more. That. I think, like, people go, well, what's, are you going to be there with Wolf every week? And I'm like, no, I've been with him since he's been 13 years old. Really? He knows what – he know, if he didn't know his tendencies, like every coach is out there every week, and I don't have a problem with that. I'm not trying to, like, 
ruffling your feathers. I've just been with Wolf so long. He'll be, I'll be like, dude, listen, get your eyes out, get your neck. I can tell him in one second. And now he'll tell me beforehand what he needs to do. It's like, it's like, does that mean he doesn't need me for life? No, he still does. But the fact, does he need me every week? Absolutely not. Does he need me once a month? He, he, we just talk, you know what I mean? And, and the fact is, is that's the way if someone started a kid at 13, I shouldn't be doing a lot of mechanics when he's on the PGA tour. You know what I mean? And, and so like someone like who I've been with for a long time, like Sung King to me is probably one of the smartest players on the PGA tour. And what I mean by that is he wanted to know everything about the golf swing. He wanted to know every piece of the golf swing. And now it's to a point where he already knows, like he's already given other people lessons. That swing sucks. That's good. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, so basically in a nutshell, yes, I, I would rather inform my players so they can actually, you know, be efficient on their own. So what about copycats, G? I've, you know, we all have Instagram, Shy. Well, you got it, I got it, we all got it. Uh, George, I've actually been following you since about 20, late 14, early 15. Um, you didn't tell me that or I would have followed you earlier, G. Hey, man, you know, it's funny, George, you, man, probably don't, don't, even, you don't even remember you meeting me, man. I, I, I never met you. I'm going to follow See, you now. I'm, I'm going to call you out. I'm going to call you all the way out. We met on the, on the range at the memorial. I was sitting there talking to Gary Woodland. You were walking to Sun Kang. I'll tell you what you you had on a gray uh 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 you had a gray sh- uh, collar shirt on. You had a, a Gucci belt and some Gucci shoes, and it was untucked. It was sagging. This was like 15, 2015 Memorial. Maybe it was sixteen. It was one of the two. Fifteen Damn, or sixteen I was Memorial. Back then, G. Yeah, <laughs> you gripped. Hey, I, we talked for a minute. You gripped me. Actually, you know what? I was standing with Gary Woodland and Sean Foley. You gripped me really? up. Yep, you gripped me up and you oh, kept me pushing. Oh, I do remember that. See? I do remember that. See what I'm saying? I do. I do. And you kept me put. You kept those, are pushing. Some, those are some cool dudes right there. Yeah, Sean, Sean's, Sean's solid, man. And, and so is Gary. I love Sean and, and Gary. Gary Woodland's, uh, I mean, I don't know him very well, but he, he was super, super cool when I met him for the first time. Like, really cool. Like, just had a good aura to him. Yeah, absolutely. No, he, that's, that's G man. That's, you know, whenever he comes into, to our place of business, he's always, you know, guy that greets everybody and, 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 you know, he'll, he'll have that conversation with everybody from the CEO. Super to the humble. Yeah, absolutely. But G you said something interesting that I want to kind of talk to you a little bit more about as it relates to just social media itself. Have you seen other people kind of stealing your, your teaching style or philosophy? Are you like well, the lead better okay. now and licensing so- it out or what? So I can't say that, that anybody stole anything because I've stole it from all the players. You know what I mean? I, 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 there's nothing that I made up. The fact is, is that I identified certain things that match up with other things, one. And two, you know, I see I w- what actually really works and what doesn't work because I've tried it. So when someone says you got to do it this way, I tell them to shut that up because I've already tried it. Okay, it didn't work. Okay, <laughs> it's got to be matched up with this, this, and this for it to work because that shit's garbage. So the fact is, is that are there copycats? I wouldn't say copycats. To me, it's flattering. You know, I feel like they're 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 on on my team. But like, what, I do have a couple people that I could name out right now that that say something that I said two weeks ago, or they look on my Instagram from three years ago and act like they just made that shit up. That that's different. Um, but when people actually, you know, use stuff that I've you know first time referenced. I don't have a problem with that at all. I think it's flattering. And, and if people are getting better, I'm stoked. It's, it's not my information. That's why I give out so much. I think that 
you know, I've learned so much stuff from the greats that had it figured out back in the day, like the setup alone that we talked about yeah, absolutely. is, yeah. is I didn't make that up. I just wondered why the hell we ever changed it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and once I realized that, that we did change it and you got to be an athlete to have your back straight. And I'm like, Oh wait, I am an athlete. Why is my back straight like that? You know, if, if I wasn't six foot, I could, or five eleven and a half, I could probably, you know, afford to have my back straight. Cheyenne can have her back straight. How tall is she? Five eight, five nine. Five six. Yeah. Oh, then you can definitely have your back straight because you can still <laughs> get to the ball. So it, it has a lot to do with height, depending on your posture. So guys that are taller have to have some round. Just like like you see Tiger. Tiger's starting to round his back again because mm -hmm. if you have a straight back like that and you're tall, you get armpits out in the toes. You can't you can't turn through the shot, and that's how you start to extend and hurt your back. Absolutely. So the setup's a big deal. You know, just certain things that we think we have to do, like, you know, tucking your arm or your arm should be flying. Where, where, where these things have to be and where they can be are different stories. It's definitely interesting what you were saying about, um, you know, just the golf swing in general. And there are so many different teaching styles or swing styles of, you know, everyone has their own little flavor of what their swing looks like. Um, but at the end of the day, it does just come down to the fundamentals. Is that right? I mean, it can maybe look a certain way, but there's very specific positions that really all that matter in someone's golf swing. It might not be a Tiger Woods swing. You might, you know, Jim Ferrick's got a little something different. Um, Matt so really, Wolf has a little something different. Matt Wolf's got a little something Absolutely. different. Um, Absolutely. So for you as a coach, what are the most important aspects of the swing that you're really focusing on in each individual student and kind of the swing that they come to you with? Well, I'd say first off and foremost would be contact being good, obviously. Um, I would say once I've got contact good, then I start moving into backswing structure, how the body pivot is, so I can set that up. Um, when I talk about structure, is the arm tucked? Is it up here? You know, is it across the line? How much form rotation and where the face is at up top? Um, and then, you know, where, how, how are the shoulder incline? How's the shoulder incline? How's the right leg, left leg? So you look at the pivot and where's the pressure at. So if I broke it down, I would say after setup, that'd be probably the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Then it'd be pivot and where your structure's at up top and where your pressure's at up top. Are you, are you really stacked? Are you moved off the ball? Because that influences a lot about what we're going to do in the downswing. So if I get someone's pressure proper up top with the right structure, to me, it's almost automatic on the way down. Things happen naturally. For some players, they don't, but a lot of players, they do. If you're an athlete, I think things just flow. So when I'm looking at somebody, you know, I'm looking at once I get the backswing and then I get the, you know, the, the pivot right, I'm looking at speed. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get somebody maxed out so then they can start controlling the curve, have a one-way miss. You know, there's, there's so many things that go along with ball striking that you could probably go, go on for hours and hours. But the way I did it, and, and when I did my membership program, I said, number one is set up. Number two from the thing is, is, is pressure up top um, and finishing your turn relative to the length. So if you don't have any turn, you're going to start to tilt. You're going to start to pull your arms down. You're going to start to stand up. Anything to get the club inside. So as long as you finish the turn would be number two. Three would be pressure up top. And then four from there would be face. And, and once you have your face right, it's just pivot through it. It's not – you don't have to worry about what your arms are doing. It's just straight up use your pivot. And, and if everything else is set up, then things just happen. So if you set those four things up, then I think a lot of things just, just happen naturally. Everything else just falls into place after that. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, but, but people do have different things. Hey, I want my arm here. I want my arm here. I like it here. I like it here. And to me, I, I just look at it as like an athlete. If 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 I'm if I'm six seven, six five, whatever, and I'm, I'm a beast, and I have three hundred, I hit it three fifty off the tee. I can afford to have my arm down here. You know what I mean? I can tuck it. But if I've got no speed, I have no right to have my arm tucked. I'm going to move that thing up because it's like throwing a ball from here. I would never throw a ball from here. I'd throw it from up here. But if I don't need more speed and it's all about accuracy, I could tuck it a little bit. So I, you're, you're looking at someone's size. You're looking at – there's a lot of variables that we're talking about. Interesting. Well, gee, in the spirit of time, we got a couple more questions. Uh, I'm going to let Cheyenne bring the question home at the end. But I do want to ask one question because um, it, it call it my observation and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me in, in, in watching you and seeing you kind of have, have grown into to the coach that you are, it seems like you really have a, a following that you've built in that Westlake area. I mean, I've seen you post stuff at in the evening and I've seen the range full of kids. And when I say kids, I'm talking under 18. What, what has golf meant to that to you and that Westlake community? And, and how are you kind of growing the game, if you will, even locally, if not nationally? Well, I'm, you know, I think that the, the players, whether they're juniors or college players or adults, it's a cool hangout. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you get a good camaraderie there. You get players competing, putting contests, chipping, long drive. Uh, and then they'll go play with each other, come back, hit balls. So, you know, it's, it's great for the game. I think that if, if you can get a big group of players that are all buddies, I think that, you know, my place being a hub, I'd say, shit, so many players have come out of that area that I won't see them for a month and then they'll come back. I won't see a player for a year, they come back. And it's like they're coming back to the same thing because people still want to come and hang out. And, and I don't think it'll change until I move somewhere else. Uh, and it's crazy because I'm almost 50 years old and it's not like, you know, I don't think many 50-year-old people want to really, like, chill out and <laughs> hang out with someone who's my age, you know what I mean? And, and be like, hey, dude, oh, let's, let's hang. So, so it's flattering, but on the other hand, people are getting better. So I think that that's one of the reasons that it's fun. Just make it fun. I love that. <laughs> that's awesome because, you know, <laughs> like, we see it, man. I feel like you, you – I don't know if you coach all the kids that I see when you post, but it seems like that range is so packed and the lights are on and there's this – there's there's just this vibe that it's like, damn, I want to go out to Westlake and just, just feel it. <laughs> it's and, fun. It is fun. It's always fun. It's like, you know, one thing that sucks for me is that I can never hit balls because if I go try and hit balls, everybody's like, check my swing out. How's this look? And I'm like, bro, let me hit one ball. <laughs> just one without you saying anything. And people no forget, like, I you're do, a big golfer too, like yourself. You love to play, but, you I mean, I it is what play. it is now. But I can't practice anywhere except for in my backyard. And it's not like it's only be, not because like I'm a celeb. It's because of straight up, someone's always like, "Can you check my swing out?" <laughs> always <Straight> working. <laughs> I, I, I never get a chance to hit a ball myself. It's weird. Wow. Well, I'll let Cheyenne bring it on home for for our time together this evening. So George. I have been dying to hear what is the Scooby term. Uh -huh. I have heard so much about it from Doug. Okay, so I just got to know, what is it? it? It means something different for every player. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so it definitely means something different for every player. So when I say Scooby, like with Wolf, 
that means, yeah, I can't even tell you what it means with wolf, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> if I say, if a little kid's got a Scooby hat on, it just means, what's up? <laughs> just means, what's up? I love it. I love it. I but love if it. it's Scooby and it's like with me and Matt Wolf or me and Akshay, it's completely different. You okay, know what I mean? So, so there's, there's hidden meaning behind everything. Like, okay. You know, everybody thinks the wet signs is what the wet signs are, but it's all different for us, for what we do. Okay. Like, I got a little frog on there. To me, it's a little different. I love it. Right. <laughs> I'm a little crazy. I just love that Scooby has its own merch. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it does. Scooby's, yeah, that's a good hat. You know, the, <laughs> the best hat was, well, no. the NBH hat was a little different, too. <laughs> I can't believe that thing sold out in a day. I can't. And you have it on, the, on your phone case, too, so... Or did you change? <laughs> I did. Wait, do I still? No, that, that, that phone just broke. I don't have it no more. Well, gee, look, I know I, I, I know your time is valuable, and I know a lot of people are tugging you know on what? you right it's not. It's not very valuable right now because That's fair. they just put a halt on us in Cali, and nobody's working tomorrow. Well, I'm glad since you had nothing to do, you could hang out with us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. You guys are fun to talk to. We need to go play some golf. Let's you know, do it. Tell David Woods. I mean, you know, I'm calling David Woods out right now. David Woods, Cheyenne, George, you and I will go play some G Advantage. Uh, we're coming. We're going to come once all this has died down, but set the tea time. We'll be there. That, that will be very, very cool. I'm going to be coming out to AZ soon, too. And then yeah, maybe I'll bring. Rob, Rob Muji will come out and he can caddy for me. <laughs> <laughs> My agent. <laughs> Muji will definitely caddy. But you know what? Thank you, George, so much for, for spending this time with us. Cheyenne, thank you as always. Um, everybody, uh, hold Thank your you guys, up. both of you. Hope I wasn't boring. No, that was so interesting. It was nice uh, to meet you. Thanks for coming on. As I told nice Cheyenne, to Gigi, I said, this ain't going to be boring. This is going to be an interesting uh, block of time. So. <laughs> Well, that's it for this week. Thank you again to our guest, George Gankis. Lots of cool information there. Don't forget, you guys, follow us on Birdies Not BS, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or birdiesnotbs.com. Send us your questions. We will hit you back and answer everything that we can. And also don't forget, wherever you listen to our podcast, go on and rate us. We need those ratings so we can keep more folks engaged in this content that we're producing. Also, George Gankis is George Gankis Golf on Instagram and Twitter. Be sure to give him a follow. And thanks again, Gigi, for stopping by.